0: for 20% off.
1: All right guys, welcome to today's show and on the show today, I got to chat with Holt Watson. Now, Holt is from the Wisconsin Minnesota area as well. We found out that we have a ton in common. We know people in the same towns. In fact, I think my mom might be neighbors with some of his family. Anyways, we talked about anything and everything, hunting and outdoors. And one of the things that really stuck with me that he said that his grandpa used to tell him is hunt everything in its season. Basically, like, don't get too hung up on one thing all year long. Just enjoy each season as it comes. You're going to hear a little bit more about what that saying means, and I think that's something that I'm going to adopt and uh, use moving forward. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It really was a ton of fun to sit down and chat with Holt. Now, I've got to make you aware of a few things. I'm actually while I'm editing this episode, I am also getting some awesome video equipment ready because I'm going to start doing higher quality videos. I've already started uploading stuff to YouTube. So feel free to go and check out the YouTube page, show your support on there as well. Or if you're the type of person that likes to listen on YouTube and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this moment, it's finally here. So I'm going to be uploading dozens and dozens of episodes soon. And I just, I can't wait to put all this gear to use. I love getting new equipment, especially when it's for the podcast, if it can make the audio, the video, just the all around quality better for the podcast. That's what I'm all about. So we're gonna jump right into this episode. I hope you guys enjoy.
0: Like he was doing things that were just badass.
1: That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dean had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Holt Watson and he is from the Minnesota, Wisconsin area. I mean, really not that far from where I grew up. And so even just talking before we started this recording, uh, hearing some of the people that he knows or he's related to, I mean, they're like neighbors of my family up there. And so it's pretty cool. I like when we can make those connections outside of the podcast, but anyways, thanks for being on the show, man.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Dan. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when you responded to my message and said, yeah, why don't you jump on and saw you're an Eau Claire native and, uh, like, wow, this would be fun. Talk to somebody that actually isn't too far away.
1: Yeah. I I've, absolutely love talking to listeners and just like randomly connecting with people like yourself. Uh, at first I was like, this is going to be awkward. It's going to be like pulling teeth, trying to get people to talk. And then I realized why would it be, why would it be like that? When I talk to any hunter, we both talk for hours. Both of our wives are like trying to separate us and, uh, it's been pretty, (laughs) it's been pretty fun. So, um, why don't we start out with this? Why don't you share a little bit about yourself about your history hunting and kind of what you're up to now.
0: Sure. Um, I, um, I grew up in Stillwater, Minnesota, which is right on the Minnesota side of the St. Croix river. And, um, I grew up bull hunting, chasing whitetails, uh, gun hunting as well. Um, and going up to, um, Northern Wisconsin, actually, um, I didn't really, mentioned that earlier, but, um, I actually grew up going to the Gordon Minong area. Um, I have quite a few relatives up there as well. And, uh, used to spend quite a few rifle seasons there when I was younger. Um, and over the last few years, I, um, I guess even backing up to college age, uh, I found a love for waterfalling and, um, Uh, sort of expanded my region, um, to Wisconsin and, uh, I now reside here with my fiance. Um, and in the busy season, I guess you could say for me, um, April to November, I'm a heavy equipment operator. So that takes up a significant amount of time here, uh, for me, um, heavily involved in, uh, highway construction, running equipment uh it's, it's quite the it's quite the lifestyle uh i actually um the one reason you stuck out to me was because um i saw your wife's uh post quite a bit on the TikTok, and uh i'm like gosh you know i showed my fiance one day i'm like honey i wish you were like this you know kind of like how <laughs> you know, supportive sam is and uh anyways but i got to like you and i'm like wow you guys actually portray a very good relationship you know to the public not only you don't know, just keep that to yourself but i really enjoyed how you portrayed that uh, which is one of the things that stuck out to me so uh i have an, an ace of a fiance she's very supportive as i'm sure yours is that i can see and um it makes it a lot easier for the lifestyle that you know guys like you and me like to live yeah um being gone hunting enjoy trying to also out- enjoy time with them and whatnot so
1: yeah that's awesome awesome. i've i've connected with a lot of people because them and their significant other like found me or sam on tiktok and they were like hey i hunt and she like we both can fully relate to this and it's funny because you know sam is supportive of me hunting i would say like 98 percent of the time right there are certain days where it's like uh we have so much going on or like her family has something planned. And so I totally understand that. And uh, we're both pretty reasonable about it, but um, the comments that we get, Oh man, it is so funny when we do something (laughs) where we're just straight up, like giving each other a hard time on TikTok about hunting or she's telling me, no, you can't go when, when guys or girls tag their significant other, I'm just like, whoa, that's pretty, that's pretty ballsy. Like you just straight up (laughs) called her out without calling her out, you know? Um, Right. Anyways, it's been fun to hit all the pain points in a humorous way of being in a hunting relationship. Right. I feel like, I feel like the next step would be to create a TikTok of like hunting bromances, because that (laughs) is something that is not very often talked about. I'm like the guys that I am closest with, I mean, people that people that would take a bullet for me are my hunting buddies and the conversations and like guys will straight up leave their anniversary dinner to come help me track a deer. If I need them to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: No, I know. Uh, going to the bromance thing. I have a good friend of mine, uh, Jordan, uh, he was actually supposed to go to a family Christmas party uh it was like middle of december it was right before we had a warm-up up here and we got a huge snowstorm um and i had an awesome feed of honkers and i'm like dude I, i've got a banger lined up for tomorrow afternoon he's like seriously i'm like yeah it's probably gonna be the last one of the year because it's gonna warm up to 50 and then it's done for us Yeah. he's like coming. I'm, I'm like don't you have to be to marshfield tomorrow night he's <laughs> like i'll i'll make it work <laughs> that's, uh, that's- uh,
1: It's good to have a group of friends like that. I mean, even for me moving out to Colorado, I had a good group of guys out there that I would hunt with. But these guys back here in Missouri, I'm like, it's going to be hard to ever find a friend group that is this tight-knit. I mean, there's probably like 14 of us in a text message anytime we shoot anything. I mean, it could be the biggest buck of our lives or a squirrel. Someone, like, sends a picture and then a meme war starts between everybody and inevitably we give each other crap for an hour and a half. Um, my wife hates it when it starts at night. Like if somebody shoots something right before, um, night, our phones will just be blowing or my phone will be blowing up for hours
0: and hours and hours. And she's like,
1: shut that off. Flip your phone over. I can't fall asleep.
0: Yeah, I can, I can definitely relate. I get, uh, reminded, many times through actually throughout the whole year that, you know, Hey, I would like some attention once in a while, you know, <laughs> you don't have on the camera or, or what the guys are saying. Okay. You're, you're right. You're right. So <laughs> that's yeah. awesome.
1: Um, yes. So why don't you talk a little bit about like what you enjoy most in the outdoors? What, I mean, you've referenced honkers a couple times. Yep. I feel like yep. the majority of people that I talk to, it's either waterfowl, Or deer. And there's nothing wrong with that because those are two of my favorite things also.
0: Sure. Um, You know, I would say so growing up, um, my dad was a big advocate. I don't want to get too off topic, but my dad was a big advocate when we played sports as kids that um, you played sports in their season. And, uh, it made you a more well-rounded athlete. And so I kind of have carried that over to hunting where I fell in love with everything. Um, the first time I turkey hunted, I was like, I'm never quitting this. The first time, the first goose I ever shot, I was like, I'm going to always goose hunt, uh, you know, whether it's a Canada, you know, or a snow goose. Um, I would say my roots, uh, you know, I cut my teeth on bow hunting. That was kind of what my dad really pushed, uh, or introduced me to as a kid. Um, so I really take, it, it's hard for me to pick because if you ask me right now, um, I got the side-by-side ready. I'm leaving for Arkansas tomorrow. So nice. I'm going, we're we're starting the conservation season next week, um, which is very exciting. Um, but I will tell you that when the first week of March comes, the only thing on my brain is turkeys. So uh, it's kind of this revolving cycle uh, of, of what my favorite is. It, it's really hard for me to pick just one. Um, and I thought about that, you know, as you asked me that earlier, and I, if I really actually did have to pick one, I would probably say deer. Um, even though I guide waterfowl or, or just guide snow geese, um, and I have such a passion for it. I really, I really thoroughly enjoy deer hunting. I enjoy the challenge day in and day out.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yes. The, um, I, I fully agree with the revolving door thing. Like I definitely have my passions, but if I had to give up everything to only chase after one thing, like Mm -hmm. the guys that, you know, they, all they do is chase waterfowl or all they do is try to get the grand slam for turkeys or whatever that is. I'm like, I just, I enjoy all of it too much. I right. I found myself missing rabbit hunting, something that I never thought I would say. Like, right. man, I can't wait till rabbits open up. I can't wait till we get a good freeze and we can go and chase after them, push them out of brush yep. piles. Um, but I will say the one thing, and it's weird this this past week, I have fallen in love with coyote hunting. And yep. I've always enjoyed coyote hunting. I tell everybody, like, no matter what I'm going after if a coyote shows up, it immediately turns into a coyote hunt, like (laughs) every time. And it's been a lot of fun. We've had, we've had a ton of success with it this past week. Um, but yeah, it's cool to like everything. And the nice thing about hunting is once you become like a good hunter, if you're someone who studies the game that you're pursuing, you can be good or even great at multiple types of things. It's not like the one uh, one sport athletes where they're phenomenal basketball players. Okay. Football players kind of good at hockey. Like with hunting, yep. you can actually be a great hunter all around.
0: Yep. You can, uh, I think the big thing, um, and I, I have to give a lot of my friends credit to this. Um, I would say I'm fortunate to have, as we talked about earlier, a bromance kind of like you do. Um, literally, my entire wedding party except for maybe two people are people that I hunt with or slash that I grew up with. I mean, talk, text, Snapchat every day, every other day. Um, but I give a lot of credit to them for giving me an open mind and, uh, kind of taking a step back and being like, okay, you know, um, it's the first week in November. I saw two fawns today, you know, like, well, okay, you might not be in the game or like, hey it's cold and clear you know it's going to be 15 degrees tomorrow the geese probably aren't going to fly and feed till the afternoon uh just those little things are really what um my friends have helped mold me to be who i am today just the people that i've surrounded myself with and i'm pretty fortunate for that um it's it's a, a never-ending learning game or process because they're still wild animals and they can still throw you a curveball just when you think you have them. Yeah, uh, but. I really, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was consistency and, um, I think as a hunter, we get better by learning and chasing the consistencies. I mean, you hear how many people talk about the first week in November or the minute the cold fronts come, you know, post-rut or second rut, you know, hunt the food source, you know, hunt the, hunt the food source late season, um, uh, you know, if it's cloudy, uh, the geese are going to be more apt to feed earlier in the day. Um, you know, turkeys are a little bit different, I guess. I don't really know how to get into turkeys too much, but there is a, I will tell you, there is a window, a five day window where it's like, I pull up my Facebook and Instagram and I'm like, oh my gosh, turkeys are dying all over the country today. (laughs) Uh, Um, but one thing that I've really credited to myself is just learning to chase the consistencies, you know, notice patterns, notice certain things. And, um, and also just having an open mind. So.
1: No, I, I completely agree with that. I tell people all the time, I I've had multiple people reach out and be like, what is the, what is the best tool you can use for hunting? And I'm like, it's scouting. If you can, if you can watch, if you can observe animals, and figure out what they do and then try to connect the dots and say, well, why did they do it? Why did they do it right there? Why, you Mm -hmm. know, if you can, if you can be a student of animal behavior, you're going to be a better hunter outdoorsman um, and be more, be more consistent in having successful hunts. And so um, I, that's one thing that I want to get better at, especially with waterfowl, because it's a tough spot where we're at. Like if I go two hours north, east, west, or south, I'm going to find more waterfowl. But where we're at, I need to be a better student of like, why are they, why are they on that pond and not ours? Because Mm -hmm. we've got a, we've got a big pond, like it's out in the country and there's birds on a bunch of different ponds around it, but we just don't seem to get them to land on ours for whatever reason. I mean, it could be the completely broken down, rotting out duck blind, sitting on the side that looks exactly (laughs) like a duck blind, but you know, uh, just to try to figure all that out. So I don't know. There's a lot of things that I'm wanting to put into practice this year and and get better at. Um, you mentioned you're about to head down to Arkansas. Yep How, how long will you be there?
0: So um, the conservation season runs through, I believe it's April fifteenth, but a lot of the geese are pretty much gone by, you know, the end of February, the middle middle of March at the latest. So we run through usually the first week of March. Okay. Um, so I actually have a wedding. I have a extended weekend that I have to come back for, um, so I will be home the middle of February for that, but usually we are there uh most of the guys are there for for the first four weeks and then a few guys stay for the last couple groups um so they're there for like 6 7 weeks 6 weeks nice so it's the month of february uh conservation season starts february 1st um and then that the first saturday in february is actually youth duck or youth waterfall day so oh, cool. we do, there's no snow goose hunting uh or there's no conservation season that day it's a day off um, so, uh, some friends of ours, a couple of the local guys will get all the kids together, try and get a bunch of kids out. Um, uh, so it's like, uh, we get like four or five days of hunting and then it's like a nice little day of rest. Uh, and then it's back to the grind for the next few weeks. So
1: yeah. I, yes. I'm hoping I just got an invite to go to Northern Missouri. I think it's sure. like the first or second week of March and sure. Um, yeah, there's a guy that's going to be snow goose hunting up there. I have never done an actual snow goose hunt. I've killed one snow goose on just a regular waterfowl hunt and it was sure. a prayer. I mean, it was a hail Mary as far up as I've ever taken a shot and somehow I dropped one. Um, Yeah. but yeah, snow goose hunting. I've been watching videos and even one of my buddies, who's a waterfowl hunter, he just hasn't really had much experience with snow goose hunting. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, this is like. No plugs, extended tubes, electronic calls, giant spreads. And these guys are shooting more birds out of one volley than we shoot all year here. And he's Mm -hmm. like, really? And so sure enough, I just pulled up a video for him on Thursday night. And it was like, I just typed in snow goose hunt. And the first video Mm -hmm. that came up, it said like 487 birds. And they were all like piled up. And he's like, no way. So we hit play. And sure enough, it was just birds after birds after birds. They're shooting at the birds that are about to land. And they're dropping birds that are 200 feet up because there's so many of them. And yeah, that's something that I'm I'm pretty excited about. Now, I've got to ask, is there like, like, do you guys, what do you do with all of those birds when you shoot them during snow goose season? Because that's something that we've always wondered, like, sure, do you just, it into a bunch of jerky uh i've heard of people yep. using it for high protein dog food um i've heard of it being donated i just didn't know sure what what most people actually do
0: so uh all the clients bird hitch um we take some the clients take some um and then you can donate them um there is uh local food shelves that take them you can um I do a lot of things. Um, So bulk wise, yeah, jerky or sticks or summer sausage. I actually have a lot of mine made into summer sausage. And I mean, I get asked from guys at work when I'm running equipment, my equipment company, they're like, Hey, do you have more from last year? Hey, do you have some yet from this year? I mean, it's, I got a place by me that is unbelievable at making it. Um, So I bring a lot of mine there. Um, And then um, I would say, actually this is a good story. I just thought of this. So four years ago, the hatch was really good. We had some really big shoots and we had a group there, um, a pastor and a few people from his church and his kids. And it was one of the best quality hunts we ever had. It was unbelievable. We shot like, I don't even remember 583. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to take these back. And he's like, and we're going to make a meal for the church. And they made like this gumbo and something they had like three meals for the entire congregation dang. so i know it was comical he had like one of those big long white vans, and he's like just nope put them in put them in the back he's like they're coming home and it was there it happened to be their last day uh and so it's like we're they're coming back to louisiana so he he brought them back to his church and had about 30 or 40 people help make three three meals for the church so dang that's awesome yeah yeah yep yeah yeah pretty unique i love
1: when people can do stuff like that i remember i'll never forget um growing up my parents were part of an organization called the christian outdoorsman and it was through the church and through uh, i guess a a whole network of churches up there but it was a bunch of people who liked to hunt and fish and i didn't really have any involvement with it other than we'd go on like father-son trips up to canada and do some fishing at this remote lake and cabin my mom and my dad would go to like husband, wife, fishing retreats. Um, But every year our church would host this big game feast. And so people would bring in literally everything. I mean, deer, bear, rabbit, squirrel, elk, moose, duck and goose and pheasant. And they would just, it'd be a big potluck dinner. All the tables would be set up around the outside and you would just go and get, you know, a scoop of everything or try someone's jerky or sausage. And and then they do raffles and stuff like that. But I'm like, man, that would be... That would just be really cool to get back to like that small, small community but big event stuff where everybody comes in and chips in and participates. Um, yeah, there's something about trying new game food, too, because I get yes. intimidated. If I shoot something that I've never shot before, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what do I do with this? Luckily, my <laughs> wife is a really good cook, and so she can figure yeah. it out pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's just certain animals that you really have to know the trick if you're going to make it taste right.
0: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's I. I actually don't even. You know. Everyone's like, oh, you had it made into sausage. Of course, it's going to taste good. And I'm like, well, did you eat it? They're like, yeah, it was good. And I'm like, so what does it matter? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you still ate it, right? I mean, pe- people would give it to me all the time. Oh, sky carp or whatever. <laughs> even like tur- turkeys. People are like, how do you eat tur like wild turkey? it any good and i mean for me um especially if we're on the road somewhere or if i have a family function i i I don't know how you guys make it but i chunk it up and i deep fry it like fish oh nice in agent shore lunch or fish batter um and like turkey nuggets almost and i mean after i made some um for my fiance's family i i made like four birds one day and (laughs) And, uh, had that with fish, I think some crappies or bluegills or something. And they were like, Hey, do you have any more Turkey? Like, can <laughs> you bring that, uh, can we do that for Thanksgiving instead of a regular Turkey? Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I enjoy it. I try to find ways to enjoy it at least.
1: So yeah. there's not many things that were like, Oh, let's just, you know, do the same old thing with it. I mean, most of the time, Sam gets pretty creative with trying new recipes One thing that we've really loved is shredded quesadillas. So, I mean, you just make a quesadilla, but whatever meat you have, you, you put it in the crock pot for, you know, several hours the night before we'd typically make some type of meal with it that night. And then we do breakfast quesadillas in the morning with egg, with beans and corn and cheese. And, um, even this morning, I think it wasn't shredded, but it was just, uh, venison steak like a breakfast sure. skillet bowl. So, I mean, it was potatoes God. and gravy and and eggs. And I like runny eggs. Like, I would take over easy, over scrambled any day of the week. So, yep. it's like you've got the gravy and the egg yolk all mixing together. Oh, man, it was so good. I ate that on the way to drop my kids off to school today. And it was one of those things where you're, like, dreading the last bite. You're like, dang it, this is the last one. Oh, (laughs) so yeah, we, she gets really creative with recipes. There are, there have been plenty of things that she's like, this is so weird. Like she'll open the freezer and there'll just be a whole squirrel in the freezer. Like I may have gone out in the yard and shot a couple right before I had to go to work and I'm like, dang it, I don't have time to clean them. I'm going to throw them in the freezer. She opens it up and I'll get a call. Like while I was at work, Hey, why are there dead squirrels in my freezer? And I'm like, well, because we're going to cook those up too. And uh, her, her mom is, I mean, they were all city girls growing up. Like my wife was a hip hop dancer when I met her Uh, not country at all. Right. I mean, (laughs) she had like one sweat pant leg rolled up and high tops and like, she thought she was the coolest thing ever. Um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she would count how many different game animals I had in the fridge or freezer at one time, and she's like, This is ridiculous you have you have a zoo inside of our freezer right now, and I was like, That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me <laughs> <laughs> <That's>...
0: <laughs> you're doing your job
1: yeah exactly what
0: what do you i mean is it what do you guys find?" Uh, we could, I would just want to ask this quick and then we can move on. But what do you guys find making the most? Like if there's something where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Sam's making it tonight. I can't wait,
1: you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's venison steaks for sure. She yeah. got an amazing recipe and I don't even know what kind of, she, ma- she makes like this homemade, like chili mayo, garlic butter deal that she like just like takes a dollop of it and just like slaps it on top of it and then it just like melts and seeps into the steak but i mean we do real thin ones where it's just like slap it on slap it on the other side and then take it off and she does that with um like sliced roasted carrots and mashed potatoes and that came from like one of those meal kits she did some type of partnership with a meal kit where they send sure. you all the ingredients and then the instructions of how to make them and it was a sure. steak, mashed potatoes and carrots. Um sure. and then she's like we're doing this with your venison steaks and I'm like okay cool. And so now that's like our go to. I mean any yeah. night and it's easy. Really it's not a ton of work. Um probably yeah. takes like 30 minutes start to finish. So
0: sounds so good. It's yeah. funny that you say you've got the steaks then because I just growing up I, I don't know if everybody does this or if it was just us, but we, we actually cut them thicker so that you couldn't overdo them. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I still do that. I, you know, I cut them like hockey pucks or double hockey pucks or whatever, just cause I'd never wanted to have an overdone venison steak. Yeah, <laughs> So, um, but I do, I'm going to have to try that. That sounds really good actually.
1: Yeah. It was delicious. We, um, it, I will tell you early on, it was a learning curve not overcooking them because when they're, when they're thin, it's like, you can't leave them on very long because they'll continue to cook after you take them off. Um, sure. But she's got it down now. And then they, she's got this, I think it's an air fryer maybe. I mean, it looks like a big crock pot, but it actually has a sear, um, mode on it. And so you can actually cook your steaks in this air fryer and they are perfect. I mean, she got the timing down. I'm like, you cooked it in that, Like this seems, this seems like you're offending the meat gods right now. Like you should not be cooking a steak in that thing. And she's like, no, it works great. So, um, it tastes great. I don't complain about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My buddy actually, he's a a guru, uh, with this. Um, you can actually, uh, look him up. I can give his name at the end, but he does, um, he uses a sous vide, I think is what it's called. And he, he just did venison the other day for 24 hours. And he's like, dude, you, you have got to get one of these. He's like, he, he's sending me pictures of the meals he's making. And I'm like, you need to stop doing what you're doing for work and open a restaurant yeah, no kidding. <laughs> or, or a cookbook, design a cookbook or something. Um, so yeah, the sous vide is like I I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with it. If, I've, I've had you,
1: two sous vide steaks in my life and they were both unbelievable. Like, I'm talking, you put it in your mouth and then it's just gone. You're like, I didn't chew that. I don't need a toothpick. What just happened?
0: I know. Yeah. I, I've only had his, so we do not have one yet, but it is on the list of things to get. I can promise you that.
1: Yeah. I want to get better because I hear even all my friends, like my friends that never liked cooking, they started getting into wildlife recipes and they absolutely love it now. I mean, it's, it's almost as enjoyable to them as when they go out and hunt and i'm like dude yeah. i don't know how you get to that point but i am so far from it i'm like all right i shot it that was fun i'm excited to eat it but i do not want to have to do all the work to prepare it um right. and luckily right. my wife is totally on board for it i think sure. i think the one time i botched a recipe so bad we were we were making um like teriyaki rice and like some other stuff and we tried to do uh, venison like teriyaki venison steak yeah, not good it was so bad it brought out like it it magnified the gaminess by a thousand percent and I was like dude I don't know what I did maybe just the entire meal was crappy and um it, yeah. it left a bad taste in my mouth literally um but yeah I said let's never do teriyaki um and venison and I'm sure there's actually really good recipes out there but the way I did it yeah. I blew it, and I I feel like I'm scarred, man. And like my taste <laughs> buds are scarred from it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you live and learn, right? Yeah.
1: Um. Oh. So so you'll be going down to Arkansas. You'll be doing some snow yep. goose hunting, and then yep. Do you do all of your turkey hunting in like Minnesota, Wisconsin, or do you travel for that as well?
0: I do. I used to travel more for turkey hunting. Um, I used to do a couple different trips, but just with work, um, and how busy we've kind of gotten in the last few years, uh, road work up here is just insane in the twin cities. Um, so I don't get as much time to travel. So I try and, um, really, you know, capitalize on what I have close to home. Um, and I don't even, I'm at the point now too, where I don't even have to be the one pulling the trigger. I love it. I don't care if I pull it or somebody I take or, um, a lot lot of my friends do it. So like if they're struggling in an area or feel like, Hey, we got tags for season, whatever, and whatever, you know, zone, whatever. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're coming with me. You know, like I will, we'll go shoot a cup. I just, I live for it. Like for like that small window, I waking up, I don't know what it is. Just something about hearing them couple gobbles right off the limb is just, I don't really know how to say it. Cause like right now I'm not like that excited for it, but then the first week of March hits and it's like the only thing I can think about. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, going back to that, like seasonal thing and, and hunting things in their season, like I was saying earlier. So, um, yeah, a lot of my hunting is focused uh, closer to home for that, just with how busy I am at work. If I get a rain day, um, it's nice. I have a couple of buddies that have flexible, flexible schedules. So, you know, I'll call and say, Hey, I'm not working today and we'll go run around and, um, try and get one old school, you know, no decoy or, um, even doing the reaping thing, which I love doing. Um, uh, some people don't like it, but, uh, it's an easy way for me to, uh, have a successful hunt. So, but I, I, I do thoroughly enjoy when I can go in and set up on them, um, whether it's early or, uh, or traditional, uh, with or without decoys. Um, I, I, it's just something that I love. I I can relate to a lot of people. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: I uh, I've heard of so many different strategies for turkey hunting, and I've I've kind of sure. come to find out that that's just how it is with most most um, hunting seasons. Is like there's a thousand different ways to do it, and yep. you know, depending on the area you're in, one might really work, and one might not work. That actually works a county away uh, mm-hmm. for turkey. I actually. I don't think I've talked about this. I worked with a guy and he said they would go to like big lakes around here. Cause all of the lakes around here for the most part are man-made, and they've got all of these fingers and coves and everything. And he's like, dude, yep. we would just go walk. We'd walk the shoreline and um, he's like, we would walk the shoreline of the lakes and the turkeys mm-hmm. just seem to love to roost right at the shoreline. And he's like, we mm-hmm. would walk around right after sunrise and they'd be down feeding in the woods. And he's like, it was, not uncommon for four of us to go out and bag four birds just by walking and you basically jump shoot turkeys. And I'm like, huh crazy. That's, that's wild. I've never thought about that, but most of the turkeys that I've killed have been on the move. I mean, like I've been moving around just walking the woods, trying to find them or I spot them out in the field and just try to get closer to them as they're making their way to the woods. So sure. This year I want to shoot one with a bow. I've never done it. Um, never tried to do it. I keep telling myself I'm going to, because I've, I'm a, I'm the world's worst successful turkey hunter. Like I, I do kill a lot of turkeys, but I'm not a good turkey hunter. I don't understand it. Um, but I'm like, man, if I can do this with a shotgun, I'm shooting him at 30 yards. So, I mean, surely I can also shoot them with a bow. Sure. with that, I mean, I would have to change my strategy up a lot. I think I would either get one of those ultimate predator deco- decoys where it like yeah. clips to the front of your bow and it's a turkey silhouette, um, or I'd have to be hunting in a blind because I don't know how you get away with shooting a bird with a bow if you're if you're not completely covered up.
0: Right. I will tell you, and um, I have friends that even make fun of me. But even gun hunting, if I can, if if I don't have too far of a hike or or I kind of have a game plan figured out. I hunt with the blind quite a bit. Yeah. I, I'll be because usually there's a few of us. Um, usually it's a couple guys that have tags or a couple people, whoever's with, and and call me crazy. And I a lot of my southern buddies say, well, you can't get away with that down here, like in Arkansas and um Louisiana and Alabama. And I I fully understand that. Well, I can get away with it up here and they don't they don't see the movement and it's dark. And as long as it doesn't, you know stick out like a sore thumb i mean i don't stubble it in but um they seem to not really care the eastern's up here yeah um and then the other thing that i do i kind of wanted to touch on it sounds crazy but um early in the year so minnesota has a thing where you can buy like an over-the-counter bow tag and then hunt the whole year you so like it's not like a um You know, it's, it's similar to Wisconsin where like you get drawn for, you used to get drawn for certain zones, but now in Minnesota, you can buy over the counter for a specific season or whatever. So I can actually hunt for six weeks in Minnesota with a bow. That's awesome. what I like to do though, is was talking about consistency earlier. This is where it comes into play again. Um, turkeys, even though it's not as fun, they're usually pretty consistent early in the year up here. Um, sometimes we're just losing the last bit of snow or even still have snow, um, when season starts like mid April. And, um, so I run since they're usually flocked up and I need to sort of grab attention, I'll run 12 to 13 decoys Dang. and it's it sounds kind of crazy. Um, but it, one, it takes the attention off of us yep. and I know they're not going to be necessarily looking at us 2 I'm trying to imitate part of the flock. So if I'm hunting like a particular group of birds where I know there's Quite a few toms or thirty in a group. I, I mean, I only need to pull one or two, but I mean, that's the goal. So uh, it's they're like, wow, okay, well, maybe half of our flock is over there today, or what's that? Let's go check it out. Um, it's just something I kind of do early, early on in the year. I don't do it all year, um, but I do it early. Uh, I've done it in Nebraska, um, and and when I used to hunt Nebraska uh, a fair amount, uh, it seemed to work pretty well. Even Kansas, I did it in Kansas, uh, West Central Kansas. I did it. Four years ago was the last time I was there, um, so it it does work, um, but it they're usually habitual. These turkeys are so they have like a route. Even if like, I mean, you can have a turkey fired up, but he, he's going to stay on his route usually. I hate saying that because turkey hunters are probably going to shame me and call me a deer hunter or something for saying that. But they they usually have these like circles or these routes that they do every day. They're pretty consistent, and um, so I I try to just. Pat, get in their way, really. If I can't get underneath them off the limb, I just try and get in their way. Yeah. So it's seemed to work pretty good. I mean, so. I
1: don't think anybody could give you too much crap about that if they've really watched turkeys. Like even on my trail cameras, I put I put my trail cameras out like a month and a half before turkey season just to see what they're doing. Dude, we've been hearing yeah. turkeys gobble here already. Like Really? Oh yeah. We were out the other day, what were we doing? Oh, we went and did a coyote set. And We got out there early in the morning. I mean, 15 minutes before sunrise, we officially put the call on and there were turkeys gobbling. And I'm like, man, this is, this seems very, very early for here. But we also hear them almost all year. Sometimes like until it gets dead of winter, we've just had such weird weather here, like down into the teens or twenties and then right back to 65 degrees. And so Mm -hmm. that could be messing with them. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was reading several years ago when I was like, all right, I'm going to be a turkey hunter. Like I'm going to go out and shoot some. I started reading all the tips and tricks and almost every forum or website that I read, it was like turkeys are on a pattern. Like they do basically the same thing every day and they Mm -hmm. go, you know, from their roost to their main feed spot and they'll make a big loop. Typically they'll make a big loop around, you know, several hundred acres or more, and then they'll head back up to the same general area to roost. And I, I noticed that right away on my trail cameras. Of course I was an idiot. I've seen a lot of turkeys out in the cattle pasture, um, where I hunt, like the main area I hunt for deer, it's on the same property, but the Cows can't get to it. I mean, it's all bean fields and woods that the cows can't get in. When it comes to turkey hunting, I'll be sitting up in the deer stand and I'll actually see turkeys over in the cattle pasture, like walking almost among the cows. And so I was like, okay, I think it was last year or two years ago, I put three trail cameras up out in the cattle pasture, just hooked to trees. And I was like, I'm going to find where all these turkeys are coming. Those freaking cows smashed my trail cameras. Like... I don't know if it was out of curiosity or what, but like I got a bunch of pictures of Turkey one day and that afternoon, I just see this cow face right in the trail camera. And then it's like pointed at the <laughs> ground and then the camera is facing up from the ground and it's like stepping on it and I get there and sure enough, like the the whole thing is just smashed to pieces. They, oh my God. they broke two of them. One of them was like, it can't even be used anymore. And then the other one, they, it, they like rubbed on it and turned it to where it was basically facing like half of the image was the tree trunk. And then the other half was like the limbs of the tree. And so I was oh like, my- dang, this is ridiculous. I I I w I don't think I've ever had a grudge against cows until that moment. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I can't say that I have ever had that issue. I, although I don't hunt around much many cows anymore, I have never hung cameras. I should say around too many cows. Uh, but. I've never had that. I've never even heard of that.
1: All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great. So now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. Dude, the I I think maybe it's just the cows out there. Like they just want to piss me off all the time. I used to <laughs> live on this property and I would I would have the guys over. I had this nice fire ring out behind the garage. And like we talked about multiple times fencing it off back there, but like the cows could just get in there. I went and I repaired this fire ring from when we first moved in there, got a bunch of cinder blocks, made it beautiful. I came out like two days later and every one of those blocks was like rolled over, broken, like they just destroyed it. And I'm like, it's like they intentionally did this. And Mm -hmm. then one day I came out and I was going to go to work and I look out and here's a cow, uh, a calf. And it has my folding chair, like just a metal folding chair that you've seen everywhere around its neck. And it's like walking through the field and it's wearing this metal folding chair as a necklace. And I'm like, how did it even get its head through that? That's crazy. (laughs) And so I went to try to get it. And then finally I called the guy, who actually leases the property for cattle. And I was like, dude, this cow's got its head stuck in a metal folding chair. I mean, it's still running around and eating and going about its normal life. But it was like at every turn, those freaking cows would mess with me. And I I just began to hate them. Uh, they would mess up coyote hunts. They would mess up deer hunts. And so I just said, screw it. I'm not going to hunt over here. And luckily, I've got a good enough relationship with the guy who runs the cattle Um, to where I can be like, Hey man, would you mind just moving them over to the other side of the property for, you know, three weeks while I hunt this? And he typically does without an issue. So
0: nice. Good to have, good to have. Oh yeah. Uh, I will say, so, um, I, I also kind of wanted to talk about deer a little bit too. Uh, but talking about the cattle. So this farm that we hunt, I was kind of telling you about earlier. Um, you know, as much as I do, I don't know if you've been paying attention to it, but the dairy farms in Wisconsin dwindle every single day. Um, and the, the farm that we're on uh, my buddy's dad used to um, have, or the farmer used to have his cows used to pasture his cows in there. And one thing that has, I will say immensely changed the, you know, just hearing stories from before I could hunt there versus now is the stuff has grown up and almost created like, it's like natural CRP now.
1: Yeah.
0: And, it, and it's got like these, I don't even know what kind of bushes they are, but it's got like, I call it soft woods almost. And it, it has turned that farm into a deer Mecca and it, it, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, it's one, it's the only farm around that I know that has, it's got pines, it's got hardwoods, it's got, um, that CR, it's got legitimate CRP. It's got that old grown-up pasture crp i guess is what i could call it um it's got water it's got terrain it it's it's truly a great uh piece of property and um i sent you a picture um one of the pictures i sent you i didn't you had a question and i remember about a couple pictures or would you like to send a few pictures and i'm like well i don't know how to attach them so i'll just send you a few but yeah there was there's a picture of us from this past gun season and we got two of the deer we were after. And, um, I shot one that my buddy hit with a bow. Um, and then he shot like our number two that we were after. And, um, I would say, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, uh, leaving, I was hunting it right. And, um, and the amount of pressure and what it can do. Um, this farm is unique. We only gun hunt it. Uh, other than my buddy bow hunting it a little bit during the rut, it is a gun only farm. So it sounds kind of backwards, but, um, and I don't, I don't want to get into the reason why too much today. Um, but before my buddy's dad took over it, uh, it was his grandpa's and it, you know, he said that, well, if, if you, if you, uh, it's not fair to me, if you get to go out and bow hunt it when I'm not a bow hunter or something like that, you know, yeah. it's just, Old school, old school. Um, so it's just always kind of been a gun farm, but um, but we practice certain things there, hinge cut, this and that. Um, and before we even got to go out there, the rest of my friend group was like, Hey, dude, if if Mike asks us, you know, that to become part of the farm and allows us to deer hunt there, like, don't ever say no. He like, you're gonna want to see this place. I never knew anything about it until four or five years ago when we got to hunt there. And um, so getting back to the pressure thing i got to sit there middle of gun season when we got invited like five years ago is when it started and i was just in awe the bedding is unbelievable there's like it's a, it's only like a 220 uh as a farm but it it's kind of spread out and jagged and there's a couple of the neighbors that don't let anybody hunt but they let us find our deer so the bedding areas don't get touched you know they don't see pressure the food sources, there's only one that you can really see from the road. So everything is very like hidden and secluded. And I remember in there and I saw one of the biggest eight pointers I'd ever seen. And I'm like, dude, this is, I told these guys and they'll even admit, they're probably not into it as much as I am the hunting. Uh, but I've really pushed them and showed them with cameras and scouting, like look at what this place can be. Um, and so getting to this year, um, the farm is really growing into like, you know, we shot some, we've shot some three and a halfs there uh over the last couple of years. My buddy, even before we were there, he's taken a I it's he's taken like a hundred and fifty inch eight pointer and a hundred and like seventy three inch twelve. Uh it's really good deer, great great potential. I mean it, it's he's got a horseshoe. Uh so um in that aspect, um trying to think of what I was trying to get to or like, Oh, the pressure thing. So yeah, we kind of still live by like, well, we have other places we can bow hunt. Yeah. And like, why don't we just leave this as a tradition for gun hunting? Um, so it, it's kind of nice. We see a ton of deer. One of our neighbors pushes, uh, of course opening day. So everything from their drive that wait, they, that uh, they
1: push opening day
0: yeah dude, you wouldn't believe it, so that seems crazy
1: like I know I know the guys that will push midweek or like the closing weekend, but
0: I don't oh, know
1: that I've heard of someone pushing opening day
0: it's it's uh it's unreal that they I don't even really I haven't got to know many of them really um I know quite a few of the other ones, and everybody's kind of on the same page, which is good, but yeah, it'll be like nine o'clock. And I remember the first time I kind of got to sit on that end of the farm, my buddy's like, Hey, I'm just going to let you know, like it was the first year of me getting to hunt there the whole season. He's like, pay attention to across the road. He's like, just be ready. And it, I'm telling you, Dan, it was like nothing I have ever heard in my life. Like I couldn't even believe that deer made it out of there alive. (laughs) I mean, there's probably 10 guys over there and it's just this big funnel and it's like hardwoods into like an open creek bottom. And so everything just right into the bottom funnels along the creek across the road. And and I remember texting him being like, uh, did anyone get hit? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up doing gear drives. I mean, I grew up hunting in northern Wisconsin, so I know what it's like. But I'm like, that was like nothing I've ever heard. <laughs> so uh, they are the only ones that really kind of do that, which is It's not my, I don't really care. Uh, I grew up doing it, it is what it is. Um, But the amount of deer that we see, the amount of deer activity, it's pretty awesome to see when you don't put the pressure on them. When they have, I mean, they have zero pressure and then the first time you hunt them is opening day of rifle season. Yeah. Um, So in that aspect, it's unique. And we got tricked a little bit this year. Um, The buck, so I shot a buck the second day of the season. I don't know if were you up here yet or did you guys come for the second weekend? I forget.
1: We were up there. Yeah. We were were up up there for opener.
0: So I don't know if you remember, we had a big cold front come through and Sunday morning was like maybe 15, 20 mile an hour winds Northwest. Um, and would we had, I had probably two or three hot does by me, small bucks chasing. And I'm going to sit all day. I, I sit all day, all the time, whenever I can. Um, so my buddy's dad shot. He wasn't too far from me, so I got ready. And these two does stand up in front of us out of their bed, and they're looking. And my one buddy tagged out the day before, and he was sitting next to me. And he's like, "Oh, hold there he is!" And and uh, I knew right away I was going to shoot this buck. And so I pulled up, and he's kind of on the trot at probably one eighty. And I only had about two chances to shoot at him. And it sounds kind of crazy, but I felt pretty confident, you know, like yeah. on the move. He wasn't running, but he was just kind of like, he didn't even know he just got shot at. And so I don't know if he, there was just that many hot does and he was just that rutted up. And so I shot once and he disappeared and he appeared again. And um, I shot two more times and he went down. And I I remember not even really knowing how big he was or what it was, but I just remember telling myself like I'm shooting but, <laughs> and I out and I'm just like, my buddy's looking, we're in a heated blind, you know? So it's not cold, <laughs> I'm shivering, like, dude, I am shaking. I don't even know why, yeah. you know, uh, you know the feeling. And, oh, yeah. and he's like, hold, that's, that's Curly. That's the, that buck we're after. And Curly is a, um, I actually thought he was younger, but he's not, um, he dressed out Well, the scale was off, but we, he's probably right around 200 dressed, uh, 205-ish dressed. Um, and, uh, he just didn't have the genes. Like his rack had great symmetry. Um, but he just a couple years of pictures, like he just wasn't growing. Yeah. And so, um, we were like, yeah, we're going to, I told the guys, I'm like, we're going to shoot this deer if we see it. Um, anyway, so I, we got down and I'm getting all sidetracked here, but we, we had got down and went over and got him, And, um, when we had found where I hit him he only went about 35 yards but when I found where we had hit him uh I found this white stuff and um I was like what in the world and it was like it was everywhere and like I'm like and I could see his track and I'm like dude this is from him I'm like what is going on I I mean I gotta be honest I don't know if I'm allowed to say this but my buddy's like did you shoot his nuts off and
1: (laughs) So, he's just spraying
0: <laughs> i know i'm like well, I, I honestly dan i didn't really know what to think i'm like okay well did he go down even and then i'm replaying stuff in my head and we go up the trail a little bit and then there's a speck of blood we find a speck i'm like okay and i'm like we watched him go down hole. what are you thinking so i just walk up the trail and i see him laying there and what had happened was um a, a butcher friend um when we caped him, he he got gored on like his neck or the point of his shoulder. And I opened it up. It was a cyst. Oh, and dang. So, and a lot of times butchers find that when they're caping deer and skinning deer, if you look on certain forums and Facebook groups, that's like something that's been recent in the last couple of years. Uh, so it doesn't hurt the meat or anything. So it was fine. But for a while there, I'm like, Oh my gosh, the first five yards or 10 yards. I'm like, is my gun on like, yeah, <laughs> what? how am I, how did I hit him that far? So anyways, it wasn't what we thought it was. So it was good. Um, But then walking up to him, I remember being like, wow, dude, look at the size of that deer. And looking at him compared to a lot of the other deer we had that are mature, um, you know, we all just came to the conclusion with a couple years of trail cam picture and everything like, wow, that deer is, he is four and a half. He just doesn't have just cause they're four and a half, it doesn't mean they're going to have a hundred and forty, five hundred and fifty inch frame.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, and then a few hours later, um, I got to sit with my buddy that, uh, owns the property and he shot the number two deer we were after who we thought was four and a half, but he actually turned out to be a stud three and a half. And, um, I have pictures online that people can go see. Um, and I'll, I'll post more, but, He uh this deer really threw me for a loop. You know, these types of genetics I I I didn't think we really were capable of. Um he he's probably like one we haven't officially scored him yet, but he's 145, 150. Nice. And um great deer, great deer. Um, but walking up to him, I mean, I don't even know if he was 160 pounds dressed. I mean, he didn't have an he didn't have an ounce of fat. Um, I'm assuming he had been rutting and breeding every single doe he could. Um, but I had just never seen that, especially for Wisconsin. You know, you think of like, when you see a deer with a decent rack, like they usually have something to follow it on four legs. So it just kind of threw me for a loop. And again, with a couple years of pictures, I'm like, we all came to the conclusion. Well, he's just three and a half. So, um, a lot of times I think I brought this up because people get asked here, you know, oh, I hear a lot of my buddies like, ah, I wouldn't shoot it at three and a half or ah, I wouldn't shoot it. It's whatever. I won't shoot it till it's five and a half, whatever. Well, it's hard to say. Everybody owns property here. You know how many people own a 40 here? Yeah. You know, Wisconsin or 20 or it was the family farm and then brother got this and the kids got, you know, you can't really, there's only so much you can control, you know. Oh, yeah. and you know, the tradition of Wisconsin rifle hunting as well as I do. If you get a chance like it, you set your standards to whatever they are, uh, you get a chance at something that gets you excited and you like it by all means, I want you to blast away. Yep. Um, you know, I heard, uh, on yours and Sam's podcast last week or the week before talking about how she'd like to get out and she, she, she has a goal for like an eight point buck. Yep. You know, or an eight pointer. I remember you guys were kind of talking about that. So that's that's good to hear though. You know, I I think there's too much in this industry of like uh oh well he's not a 150 or oh he's not five and a half, or you know, I think a little bit people just it's okay. We don't need to compare to everybody, you know, have some goals for yourself when it comes to deer because it's not easy. I mean, yeah. look at the time you can put in and it it's not easy to just always let some of these deer walk and you're away from family, you're away from the kids, you know, you can kind of relate. Yeah.
1: I, I think for myself, I quit. I've always been like, Oh man, I'm wanting to shoot, you know, uh, an eight or bigger or a one forty or bigger or a four and a half year old or older. And I've, I think I've officially come to terms with, the idea of if it comes in and it gets me like super pumped up, I'm going to shoot it Mm -hmm. now. I'm still, we still have like some guidelines on the property that I hunt because I can, the nice thing is being the one that has the permission and everybody else is an invite that I've brought on. I can kind of set it and say like, Hey, this is what we're going to try to do here. And so I do want to, I do want to try to bump the age class up a little bit. I do want to do a lot more doe control out there, but at the end of the day, I don't want to regret a hunt because I pulled the trigger or didn't pull the trigger. Like if I look back and I'm like, man, I didn't shoot that deer Mm -hmm. and I didn't shoot it. I don't know. If there's like a little bit of shame, like, Oh, I didn't want to be that guy who shot a deer that wasn't quite old enough or wasn't quite big enough. Like, I just don't want to ever have to apologize for yes. anything that I do. And even talking with my buddy, Eric, he runs the OKS Hunter podcast. And I mean, he does a great job of getting people in that mindset. Like it's your mm-hmm. tag. It's your tag. Yeah. It's not anybody else's tag. That one has your name on it. You go and shoot what makes you happy. Yep. Yeah. And I will say if you're sharing property yeah. with other people and there's a consensus of like, Hey, this is the type of management plan we're going to do. Jump on board with that. Don't be the guy to buck the system and be like, screw you. You can't eat antlers, you know, like just hop on board with it and, and figure like you can figure it out with your friend group. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm over the whole deer shaming thing. Uh, I, I jumped on all the bandwagons for a while where it's like, Oh man, everybody, everybody needs to shooting all these dogs. tiny deer and, um hopefully hopefully we can kind of put an end to that
0: yeah i agree um the one thing that i i did want to touch on a little bit with it's i'm not talking about size of the deer now either but um the one thing that i wish wisconsin would do a little bit is i I don't know what it's like down for you when you buy um a tag down there by strum or or whatever zone or unit you're in but um the the one thing that I find difficult is that they give me six doe tags. Holy cow. And we have deer, you know? Yeah. Like we, we definitely have deer, you know? Um, but we don't have the deer that we had 10 to 12 years ago, not here. Um, and even in Northern Wisconsin, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the public land side. Cause I know you're trying to get into the public land a little bit as well. Yep. And the there's they've diminished there's not much of it it's coming back but there is not much of a deer herd in northern wisconsin and uh, which is one of the reasons why i haven't hunted up there in 10 years but the the one thing is i, I and that why i do these TikTok lives or 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 try and meet with people like this is just like bring awareness to like hey if you're not seeing deer you should have a voice or You know, this is a tradition, especially in Wisconsin, it's a national holiday. And if you go out, I mean, I've talked to people, who are like, I didn't even see a deer opening day. I'm like, what are you, are you serious? And, and it could be anywhere, but the farmland, obviously we have the food. So we're going to see a little bit more than the next person. But, um, for the people that hunt the woods or people that hunt public that like pressured public, I mean, I remember growing up as a kid hunting public and hunting Northern Wisconsin. I would see, I wanted to move there. There was so many deer. Um, and so I guess my thing is I really want people to be like, write a letter in or, or like when the DNR sends you surveys, like write a letter back, fill out your surveys and say like, Hey, this is what I'm seeing, or this is what I'm not seeing. And, um, it, it's just, uh, luckily, um, uh, license sales have come back a little bit, um, from the last couple of years. I've looked at this, I don't want to give out stats, but, um, the, the numbers are still down harvest, you know, they haven't really been going up and, um, you know, I, I just want people to remember we're getting so good as, as humans with technology at, Fishing and hunting and, and navigating. And you have these apps now where you can send a pin to somebody and say, This is where I'm at, or, um, you know, figuring out who owns what. Or, uh, you, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit to what we can do to a deer herd. And I know some people might give me flack. I might get messages that say, Well, we have all the deer in the world. I don't know what you're talking about, but, uh, you know, you probably have the food. Yeah. And if you have food, You know, especially when it gets cold, they are going to congregate and come together. I'm not saying we don't have deer here, but we just don't have them like we used to. I mean, it's diminished over the last 10 years. I don't know if you see that where you're at when you come up here. I mean, can you relate at all? So,
1: I I mean, looking back, I remember um, sitting in a tree stand and there were days where I'd see 40 plus deer on opening day. I mean, it was just like loads of deer everywhere. Um, then we've had years where we would go opening weekend without anybody shooting something. And that doesn't happen very often. And I remember we kind of had to put ourselves in check a little bit because it was like every year leading up to that was pretty good. There may have been a slight taper down, but then all of a sudden it was just dead. Like the woods that we hunted. I mean, it's all hardwoods. There's not really any openings. There's a little bit of marsh down by the road, but for the most part, it's all hardwoods and hills. And nobody got a shot. And we're like, this is so odd. And we all started kind of complaining, and grumbling, and like, oh, deer numbers are down, this and that. Well, I started thinking, like, well, why, why are there not deer here? And it was because they had a really, really wet year. And none of, the, none of the farmers were able to harvest the corn because of how wet the fields were. They couldn't get their tractors or their combines out there. And so Mm -hmm. all of the corn was standing, normally it's like 90% down. And so the deer are in cover throughout the day. And, and so we had to, we had to realize like, okay, the deer didn't just vanish all of a sudden, you know, like there's thousands of deer in this County, they can't just all disappear. But I do hear really consistently year after year that on the Northern part of the state, deer numbers are declining quite a bit um i did i've been i've been trying to follow along with the deer harvest numbers and um it's on the decline but it's not like crazy i mean from what i've seen it seems like it's fairly gradual um but in certain areas i bet you it is like very extreme and so i always tell people like go off of what you see try to put logic to it and figure out like, why would there not be deer here now? Whether that's like predator introduction, like wolves. I know that the great lakes area has more wolves than the Yellowstone ecosystem does now. And so I've heard people People talk talk. about that also. And the thing is the DNR, I mean, it's made of educated people. Like they might, might not always make the right choice, but they're going to take into account all of the different input that comes in uh, along with their studies and what they see. And so I do feel for it. I mean, I don't think I have heard a single positive thing about the Northwoods and Wisconsin deer population. Uh, That's one thing I'll say. I mean, I I talked to quite a few people and for the most part, it's like, yeah, it's it's really tough lately. And so it's unfortunate, but it sounds like central and southern Wisconsin seem to be holding up quite a bit. And I bet you the majority of the declining deer harvest numbers are because of the northern counties
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean i um i know i we kind of have gone a bunch of different directions here but you know we're it's like we're having a conversation we talked about earlier uh but the like i said you said you grew up seeing you know it was like 40 deer sometimes as a kid yeah. i had the same in northern wisconsin and uh i don't know if anybody from up there or that is hunted up there is going to listen to this but I can tell you when I was 12 years old, I literally came home from from deer camp Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And I told my mom, I said, I am moving to Gordon one day. (laughs) She said, no, but it it just, it brought joy to me. Like seeing, I've never, you know, I'm sure my grandkids one day are going to be like, Oh, grandpa's stories. You know, again, Uh, you know, but I'm, I, I don't really know how to even say it. I mean, they're just, they're memories now. And, um, I just hope we can get maybe close to that, back to that one day, you know, I hope, uh, as a community up here, um, um, uh, we can find a way to, um, figure out how to, how to manage that a little bit better. I mean, I, the, going back to the doe tag thing earlier for me, uh, I don't care what anybody shoots. I could care less. Uh, I don't know if I really touched on that when I was talking about the bucks, but, um, I want, I got to shoot spikes, does forks as a kid. I mean, I, I got 10 to 12, whatever on, on the wall and, and we shot meat. I mean, we were, we lived off of it. Yeah. Um, I just we have neighbors like I do. Uh, it would be nice to limit the antlerless uh, tag possession, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I it, it for oh, we don't really shoot. We don't really have to. We'll shoot a couple, uh, but just knowing how much the neighbors shoot, we try to like. Okay, does anybody really need venison? Like <laughs> we can go shooting with a bow at one of the other places. You know. Like, okay. Yeah. So.
1: yeah the the whole doe harvest thing. That's been a struggle for me. It's where I hunt here is so odd. I've never seen anything like it. It's like some certain parts of the year, there's does on the property. And then other parts of the year, there's bucks on the property. And then during the rut, they're Mm -hmm. kind of there together. But like, I'll go two weeks without having a buck on camera. And then I'll go two weeks without having a doe on camera. And I'm like, this is just, it's like they hate each other right now and mm-hmm. um here i've i've actually the property i hunt i haven't done a whole lot of like doe control or selectively taking does um mm-hmm. i'll shoot them like i'll definitely shoot them right. for meat but it's not like yeah. hey i have a goal of shooting nine does like that's never yeah. it you know but right. uh the balance is pretty in check where i'm at there's just it for just sure. seems like there's about an even number of bucks in does um right and so Yeah. The, the doe harvest thing, like there's obviously counties that can handle it. There's counties that like you, or even within a county, individual properties that can handle it. And that's where, um, getting into like a QDMA plan or like trying to get neighbors together and just figure out like, Hey, listen, how, what, what is your goal for your property? How many deer are you trying to take? Is there an age structure that you're targeting or, Or how many does you want to take off the property? Do you know what your buck to doe ratio is? It's really cool that there's organizations now that are trying to get neighbors and, and smaller communities to work together to improve Mm -hmm. the deer quality in their areas. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that looks like for the North, man. Like it's, like I said, it sounds like a lot of negative feedback right now. And I don't know if that means like DNR intervention Like if it's reintroduction stuff or, or if it's a predator, if it's mainly a predator issue. I mean, I talked to one guy years ago and he's like, dude, I fill my tags every year up near Hayward. And he goes this year I sat in my stand and I don't, I mean, I'm going to probably butcher these numbers, but I think he said he saw seven wolves from his stand and not a single deer. And I mean, he was, he was the guy who's just like, Oh kill them all, bury them. Like don't ever tell anybody about it type of thing. Like he was so upset about it, but I was also Mm -hmm. like, okay, but could that be an isolated year? Because he said Mm -hmm. it it had always been good. Um, well actually I think he did say that it had been for several years that he's been seeing a lot of wolves and hardly any deer. Um, sure. But you know, that's stuff where hopefully the DNR is open to public input. Hopefully they hold like, um, holding holding a night where you can raise these issues in a community center somewhere and, and they can get some public feedback on it. But I know they do that down here quite a bit in Missouri. Like there's a lot of public input. It's, it's very cool. I haven't gone to any of the deer stuff. I haven't seen a big need to, um, sure in Missouri, but like the waterfowl, um, we went to that and I mean, they bring in biologists and they talk about all the studies and what they're seeing statewide, asking for input on season dates and splits and all of that. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think that's what it should be. It shouldn't just be like someone in a city making all the regulations for everybody. It's cool when they actually take into account what the people, Mm -hmm. because I mean, if you think about it, hunters are the best survey group out there. Like Mm -hmm. when you talk to a hunter or you have them fill something out, like we do every year for waterfowl hunting, like, Hey, how many ducks did you shoot last year? Zero to 10, 10 to 20, you know, do that thing with deer how many did you see and they could do studies like that just use what's already out there for you know five cent sheet of paper for each hunter and uh have people fill it out i i get stuff i don't know if they do that do they send you stuff um they, every year?
0: they i don't think it's everybody i usually get it like every couple years a survey um i know i don't I want to say it's not everybody. I could be wrong. If somebody ever listens to this, I shoot me a message because I I know I don't know everything, but uh I it's like every couple years for me.
1: Yeah. See, I've I've been getting it every year and I didn't know if it was just because I'm a non-resident now hunting up there, but it seems okay. like every year it's like, "Hey, you've been randomly selected." And I'm like, "That's funny. <laughs> I'm always randomly selected." Like I wish yeah. I was randomly selected for publisher's Clearinghouse house or the lottery. Um <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm like, I have no problem filling out the surveys because I do want them to be able to know year to year if is it increasing, is it decreasing, and also I have to think that a big chunk of the um, harvest number dec- decline is due to people not being held accountable to checking their deer in anymore. Like I remember you couldn't, you had to have a tag, you had to have an ear tag on it or around the antler or something. You had to take it to a check station. And I loved the camaraderie of that. I love the like fellowship, the social aspect. I freaking I, miss it. I'm like, dude, if I owned a bar up in Wisconsin or a gas station, yeah. I would host like a, like a big buck deal. Like bring your deer in. If you bring your deer in, you get 10 cents off a gallon or, 10% yep. off your purchase or whatever. Yep. And I think I haven't talked to many hunters that, that don't miss that.
0: Sure. Yes. It's more
1: convenient to just hop on your phone, but I never complained about having to drive it to the corner store. And I'm like, Hey, I want to weigh this. And, you know, as a yep. kid, I'm like, this is a 300 pound white tail. And then we get there and it's like 160. And, uh, the, I yep. mean, I think, I think they should bring that back. I really do.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, people are still doing buck contests, um, but in different ways, not necessarily big, but like average weight, like least weight, or uh, it, it kind of doing some unique things so it doesn't just have to be the biggest rack, but that's like the only time that we get to see them yeah. really now. I, I, like you said, I miss it. You had to go and get that little, if you shot a buck, you'd get like a metal ring that went around the antler at the base. and. Um, I, I wish they would get back to that. I do. I like, like you said, I like the, uh, capability or the ability, I should say of using your phone. Um, but it would be nice to get, get everybody together and make them go to one place. You could see what's going on in your area for the day and, um, find out you visit with people you haven't visited with neighbors in a long time. And I, yeah, like you said, I, I really wish they would get back to that stuff that obviously you were a kid you experienced that up here I I experienced it those are things that I remember being you know 15 18 years ago yeah um agree more man
1: yeah I we would always go I mean it was only two miles probably to the corner store that we would go and check our deer in at and they had this Mm -hmm. big orange deal out back with the scale you know on it and I think it's still sitting out there whether it still gets used or not Um, But they had the buckboard, you know, they'd take a picture, they'd tack them all up on the wall. And so you'd look at it. Now it's just on a computer screen and you have to sit there for an hour to see all the deer. Um, But it was just like, you walk out or you pull in and you see 12 dudes standing around one truck bed and you're like, there's gotta be a monster in there. And so you're like trying to wiggle your way in to see what it is. And even, even people with does, you know, kids sitting on the back with their, with their yearling doe holding the ears and getting their picture taken and just hearing stories like they've got to bring back somehow try to mend that social aspect of it because now it's just so disconnected I feel like and and most people that I talk to would say that was their favorite part about deer season is getting yep. to go and show it off or hear the stories or dropping it off at the meat locker and seeing all the big bucks on one row you know and you're just like, where did those come from? Um, I know. Yeah, I miss it, man. I really do.
0: Yeah. Do you guys do you guys have anything like that there? Do you have to bring your deer in there, or what do you guys have to do in Missouri?
1: Um, no, you have to just telecheck it. Same thing. Um, I've never. I don't think I was down here when you had to take it to a check station at all. Okay. I think it's kind of always been um, the telecheck system, um, sure. or you know, a tag. Like you still had to put a a hard copy of your tag on it once you shot it. Um, But yeah, now it's a hundred percent electronic. You don't have to have paper or anything. I don't, yeah, I just don't, I don't care for that. It's, it's so, it's just so lame to get on my phone and like click, click, click. It's checked Mm -hmm. in. Like nobody knows about this deer at all. Nobody can celebrate with me or, you know, there's no congratulations and I can't do that for anybody else. It's all on right. social media, but nobody's like, hey, man, great harvest. Like, you don't even know I, if that was posted from this year or last year. Uh, I know. And I know. so I just, I think I'm going to try to start something like that around here. Like, have a spot where people yep. can just come hang out, you know, grab yep. a beer or do something, you know, just get something to draw people in and get them. Yep get them more engaged in interacting with each other. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that would be, awesome. I, and I would say too, I think for like, if you're on a trip somewhere and you know, you're back in the sticks and you're not close to maybe civilization is the right way to say it. You know, I get it in that aspect, but for a lot of these people, like, at least for Wisconsin, they have cabins there or deer camps, or they live there or like, they're not really, it's not really like an excursion or a trip, you know, they're yeah. there for multiple days, you know, with how many uh, local bars there are in Wisconsin, they're they're not too far away from, from somebody's cabin. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I agree. I wish they would get back to that. I hope somebody starts a petition and maybe 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 we we...
1: do i've got a couple connections that have a voice in wisconsin so maybe we'll just get everybody together and say hey bring back check stations um yeah i dude that would be could you imagine if we started Uh that movement and we actually got check stations back there we'd probably get some hate mail but for the most part i think people would love it
0: yeah i would love it and and i also think you it keeps people honest too yeah you know I, I would agree in and, and I don't want to say that people aren't honest I that was, I want to make make that clear people obviously are honest I just the general aspect of what it used to be and meant I think we should bring it back yeah
1: it's it's yes. really funny like going out west and hunting um I went out to Colorado again this year and it's just not the same out west like that Like (laughs) it's funny. People will like hide their deer or their elk because they don't want you knowing where they shot it. Like you're out Mm -hmm. on public land and they'll like tuck it down as much as they can or pack bags around it in the side by side. And even, um, this year we drove by this guy who had, they, I don't know where they shot it, but they had the entire elk loaded in the bed of the side by side. I'm like, dude, that is a feat in and of itself. And I was like, I was driving with my buddy and he's like, should we stop and talk to him? I'm like, absolutely. Like, yes, they just shot an elk. This is awesome. I want to hear the story. I want to congratulate them. And they were kind of thrown off by it. They kind of looked at us like, why are you stopping? Like, what do you need? And then I'm like, hey, great dude. Great bull. Like, good shot. How'd you get this whole thing loaded in the bed? And I mean, they ended up being really friendly. Um, Sure. It's just kind of funny there's not that that side of it like it just seems like more secretive more like stay away from my spot even though it's public land like yeah. dude if you tell them where we shot this i'm going to kill you later like do not give away our secrets and i i mean i get you don't want your area being flooded with mm-hmm. other hunters but also like let them know oh man i shot this in in some dark timber or you know it was yeah. bedded down on the Shaded side of the hill today. It's really hot out. And it, like give yep. people pointers without giving away your hunting hole um, yep. and just be friendly. And 90% of the people that we ran into out there were uh, non-residents and were super friendly. And then anybody we ran into who was uh, from out there, on a resident tag, they would point us to the opposite side of the unit and tell us that's where we should go hunt. And I was just (laughs) like, this is a perfect depiction of Colorado hunting right here.
0: Yep. So, yeah, I, I, and I understand it. I mean, I, I, I get it from both sides, you know, I think as long as there's a mutual respect, uh, I think uh, I'm like you, I, I just want to know the story. I'll, We'll figure it out for myself. I don't need pinpoints or whatever, but I just like to hear the story and, and that camaraderie aspect of it. Like we were just talking about with Wisconsin. I, I enjoy.
1: Yeah. You could tell me like, just substitute the County that you're hunting with Florida. I don't care. I just want to hear the story. You know, you can tell me all day long. You shot it in Florida. I know that's not where you shot it, but tell me (laughs) the details of it outside of the actual location. So,
0: yeah. Yep.
1: Well, dude, yeah. uh we holy cow. I was thinking we were just coming up on an hour. We're already at like an hour and 20 minutes. Uh oh my gosh. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. It's oh. so easy to talk to other hunters. Um, before we hop off, though, I want to give you a chance to share where people can find you, where they can follow along, um, where they can yep. reach out for guiding or any of that.
0: Sure. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And look up, uh, type my name in Holt Watson. Um, at my Instagram is holterdice22. Uh, I'm also on TikTok. You can look up holterdice22. And then if you guys are interested in the snow goose hunting thing, um, it's Snow Addictions Guide Service. Uh, we are on Facebook uh, and you can also go to snowaddictions.com. Um, if you follow me on TikTok, I will, uh, about every other week during the snow goose season, I will it depends. Maybe every other day, it depends on how good it is, but I will post a video of a flock giving it up or, or a little teaser to get people going. So
1: nice, man. Well, yeah, yes. I'd encourage everybody to go check that stuff out. And this is probably so, <laughs> this is so far out there. As you were talking about snow addictions, I was like, man, I've got a cool idea for a t-shirt. And then I realized this is not family friendly at all, but imagine somebody like, With some white powder on the table, cutting a line that looks like a snow goose. And. I just, for some reason, snow addiction made me think of that. I've never done that before. Uh, Total disclosure, like never done it. But uh, I just thought, man, that'd be a funny t-shirt or a sticker idea. Um, Anyways, (laughs) what a bad note to end on. What am I thinking? Uh, Dude, thank you so much for hopping on the show with me. I really did have a good time. And uh, yeah, it sounds like we're somewhat near each other for a couple different seasons so we'll have to get connected and uh, get out on a hunt together or maybe start a rally like a million man march for bringing check stations back
0: yeah absolutely dan thank you for having me on here and uh don't be a stranger hit me up
1: absolutely man and that is going to wrap it up for today's show i hope you guys enjoyed that one i had a ton of fun talking with holt and what the heck man Everybody has been talking about snow goose hunting lately. Uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense because that's the next thing on the calendar as far as seasons go, but it's given me the itch. I want to get out and snow goose hunt. Between watching YouTube videos, hearing stories of him, I mean, like 500-plus birds in one hunt, that is mind-blowing to me. That's more than me and my buddies kill all year here in Missouri. And so I want to go and experience that, so hopefully it's – coming up here in like just a few weeks away, I think. And so hopefully I can get out and try to do one of these hunts, get my buddies out, or even go up and meet with some past guests in Northern Missouri. Anyways, wish me luck on that. I want to, I want to keep bugging you about this and keep telling you about this. We do have products coming out I know I've been saying that for the last couple episodes. I think our goal date to uh, launch it is beginning of February. And so if you're hearing this after that point, go check out the website and see what products we have out. I actually got a new sweatshirt and a new T-shirt in, plus one of our new design stickers. And we have so many more coming out. And so I'm pumped about it. Hopefully you guys enjoy the product. Hopefully you guys represent it if you do hop on social media tag me in the pictures with you wearing it or you having it on your sticker on your mug or your truck or I don't know your rifle case who knows anyways you guys are awesome I really do appreciate all the love and support and until next time always choose adventure and God bless